Good evening, Crypt Keepers, and welcome to Cryptique. We're on the hunt for new subscribers. Please, if you haven't done so already, subscribe, like, follow, all that good stuff. You can catch us on TikTok at Cryptique underscore podcast, YouTube at Cryptique podcast, Twitter is at Evil Podcast, even though we're not really that evil. And uh, merchandise is crypticpodcaststore.com. And you can always check out Parabox. But if you're going to do Parabox, sign up for the subscription. Don't just buy random shirts because the stuff that you get with the subscription is stuff that's not seen on their website. So you'll be getting, you know, limited edition stuff. But in any case, tonight's show is a sad true crime tale that has a bit of a paranormal twist. So, what are we talking about tonight? Tonight we are talking about Corpsewood. Dr. Charles Scudder, a brilliant and unconventional individual, had embarked on an intriguing journey from his days as a dedicated student at Loyola University to his pursuit of a simpler lifestyle in the enchanting surroundings of Corpsewood Manor. Absolutely. That's exactly the charming name I would expect. (laughs) During his time at Loyola University, Dr. Scudder had the privilege of studying under the renowned Dr. Alexander Kartsmar. Their bond went beyond the typical teacher-student relationship and evolved into a deep friendship and professional collaboration. However, as time went on, Dr. Scudder's eccentricity became more pronounced. With a mischievous spirit, he indulged in vibrant self-expression by dyeing his hair in peculiar colors and even keeping an unconventional pet monkey as a companion, as opposed to a conventional pet monkey. Bad idea. <laughs> like Marcel, right? Mm-hmm. Dr. Scudder's unyielding belief in the interconnectedness of the universe led him to conduct a series of groundbreaking experiments, which he eagerly shared with the world through his published works. Despite his academic achievements, he longed for a life away from the complexities of university politics, the hustle and bustle of the big city, and the often unruly behavior of medical students. That part I totally understand. Seeking solace and simplicity, Dr. Scudder set his sights on a remote 40-acre plot of land nestled in the picturesque hills of Chattooga County, Georgia. The property was secluded and accessible only via an old logging road, devoid of modern conveniences such as running water, electricity, and telephone lines. Undeterred by these challenges, Dr. Scudder and his devoted companion, Joseph Odom, embraced their new endeavor. The couple christened their newfound refuge, Corpsewood Manor, inspired by the hauntingly beautiful bare trees that surrounded them. Armed with determination and accompanied by their loyal English Mastiffs, which is a great dog to have in a place called Corpsewood Manor, they are doing it right, they initially resided in a humble camper while embarking on the laborious task of constructing their dream home. Every brick was meticulously laid by hand, resulting in a robust structure comprising three layers for insulation, with a unique two-inch wide airspace between each layer. Their daily lives at Corpsewood Manor were characterized by simplicity and self-sufficiency. Heat emanated from a comforting, wood-burning stove, while a chemical toilet served as their outhouse. Nurturing their own sustenance, they cultivated a small vineyard for winemaking and cultivated their food supply. The first summer witnessed their transition to the first floor of the two-story house, encompassing a well-appointed kitchen, a welcoming dining room, and a cozy living room. With each passing year, their ambitious project continued to take shape. Accessible via a charming circular stairwell, illuminated by captivating stained glass, marked a significant milestone. Hey, just say stairwell again for me real quick, like a normal person. (laughs) (laughs) 
you get this like Spanish accent halfway through. You're like charming circular statterwell, illuminated by captivating stained glass. <laughs> it felt weird. It felt weird. It's like my, it was my mouth is doing things I did not bid it to do. Stairwell. Do me a favor. Say stairwell like a normal person. <laughs> well, you know. I didn't know if you were trying to get fancy on us or something. Yeah, I was watching Antonio Banderas movies, and I just got a little flair in it. In addition to their two-story dwelling, the couple erected several outbuildings, including a three-story chicken coop. I would call that a chicken manor. <laughs> the first floor of the coop served dual purposes, housing poultry and providing ample storage for food supplies. The second floor concealed their collection of canned goods and even a hint of their somewhat risque taste in pornography. <laughs> Finally, the third floor, known as the Pink Room, served as a delightful space for entertaining guests, immersing them in an atmosphere of eccentricity and enchantment. Yeah, let's go to the Pink Room, the third floor above our chickens and our porn. (laughs) As the secluded sanctuary of Corpswood Manor flourished, local hunters often sought permission to traverse its lush landscapes. One such encounter would prove fateful for Dr. Scudder and Joseph Odom. And we will tell you all about that after a quick break. back group keepers local hunters would often come along and ask for permission to use their land that's how dr scudder and joseph odom met avery brock brock was a regular hunter and had been allowed to hunt on their land numerous times the lifestyle the couple enjoyed led avery brock to speculate dr scudder and joseph odom were millionaires when they had spent most of their savings on building their secluded homestead Avery Brock told his friend, 30-year-old Tony West, a story about, as he put it, queer devil worshippers who he believed were hiding a fortune in their home. The pair planned to rob the couple and put their plan into motion on the night of December 12, 1982. Brock and West picked up West's nephew, Joey Wells, and his friend, Teresa Hudgens, and headed to Corpsewood Manor. When they arrived at the home, Scudder took them into the pink room where they partied and drank some homemade wine. After several hours of partying, Brock stepped out to his car and retrieved a 22 caliber rifle. He walked back to the house and shot Odom four times. Brock shot the two Mastiffs next, which were still laying next to the stove. Some help they were. Um, I'm assuming, obviously, that Brock is a an accomplished hunter because even though it's a rifle i mean i'm I'm assuming it would probably be you know either a lever action or a bolt action because it's not described as a military assault rifle like they describe everything now but i mean you could hit a couple mastiffs with a couple 22 rounds and they might just keep coming at you yeah it's kind of a strange caliber to use They tied up Dr. Scudder and demanded money. Wells and Hudgens attempted to flee, but after the car would not start, they were forced to return to the house. And at that point, once you just walk, like, people are being murdered. I'm getting the fuck out of here because I could be next, but 
Anyway, I guess that's what they told investigators. Brock and West ransacked the house, but were unable to find anything of value. West shot Dr. Scudder in the head at point-blank range, and the group fled the scene. The duo attempted to steal Dr. Scudder's harp, but it would not fit in the vehicle. So one thing we didn't get into is Dr. Scudder was a big harp guy. You know, you know, like yeah, the harp the guys. So... <laughs> Yeah, he was he was an accomplished harp player and had a very expensive harp. And I guess they thought, well, no one will know that, you know, we got this ten thousand dollar harp in a murder heist. (sighs) Brock and West stole Scudder's black Jeep and fled westward. They stopped at an I-20 rest stop outside of Vicksburg, Mississippi, where they took a car from Navy Lieutenant Kirby Phelps and murdered him in the process. On December 16th, a neighbor discovered bullet holes in the door of Corpsewood Manor and called the sheriff. On that same day, Teresa Hudgens came forward to the police. According to the sheriff, she was held captive by Joey Wells at his mother's house before escaping. Of course she was. A nationwide search quickly ensued. Teresa Hudgens and Joey Wells cooperated with the police and were never charged with any crime. Avery Brock returned to Georgia and turned himself in on December 20th of 1982. West did the same thing in Chattanooga, Tennessee on Christmas Eve. Both of the men received a sentence of life in prison. Who the fuck was Wells? Wells Wells was one of the two friends they picked up, right? Right, yeah. He was the one that was cooperating that allegedly held Hudgens captive. Both of the men received a sentence of life in prison. Avery Brock is currently serving out his sentence in Georgia State Prison while Tony West is presently at Augusta State Medical Prison. They have both been denied parole multiple times. While investigating the murders, the police found two human skulls, three vials allegedly filled with LSD, a small occult library, numerous occult tools, a large general academic and literature library, and gay pornography. The sheriff's office in Chattooga County labeled Dr. Scudder and Odom as devil worshippers. Also found inside the house was a painting by Dr. Scudder that was completed months earlier, depicting him bound in a chair with five gunshot wounds to his head. The sheriff had previously tried to bring charges against Dr. Scudder and Odom for their odd behavior, but was unable to do so because of freedom of religion. Yeah, you can't just charge somebody for something because you don't like them. (laughs) Right. A neighbor told reporters that Dr. Charles Scudder had joined the Church of Satan, but wasn't an active participant. And we've talked about the Church of Satan before. Yeah. If, it's, if it's the real one that's around now, it's more of a joke and kind of a club for intellectual types than anything else. Yeah, and it's a do as you will. It's not like, yes, we definitely want the you know, the one that God kicked out of heaven to be victorious so we can reign in hell. And they have rules even about like don't hurt animals. Don't do this stuff. Like Anyway, he said that Charles told him he joined the church to see what it was all about and that he was an atheist. Dr. Scudder's neighbor, like many others in Chattooga County, were not aware that the Church of Satan is in fact atheistic. Friends of Dr. Scudder believe that him being openly gay in a time where discrimination was prevalent would have made the Church of Satan's policy of anything goes between consenting adults very attractive. There was a small private funeral service held at Corpsewood Manor for Dr. Charles Scudder and Joseph Odom. Odom's ashes were scattered in the Rose Garden by the house. Dr. Scudder's ashes were taken back to Wisconsin by his sister and buried in the family plot 
on April 25, 1983. By 1986, Dr. Scudder's gold-encrusted harp and a bronze statue of Mephistopheles from Corpsewood had fallen into the hands of famed defense attorney Bobby Lee Cook. Cook had been hired by Dr. Scudder's four sons to represent their claim to the estate. Joseph Odom's sister also claimed the estate since Dr. Scudder left everything to him in his will. The property was purchased soon after the murders. Today, it remains privately owned. It's an interesting story, and we could have, you know, dug super deep and tried to pull more out, but it was it was really more of an after-party, you know, size story. And we just kind of wanted to share that with you. I don't, you know, I'm sure that this guy that said they're devil worshiping queers was, you know, was bigoted. But I, I think it was money motivated. It wasn't, you know, just like a hate crime. It was, we think these guys have money and we're going to take it. And it probably makes it a little bit easier you know, for them to be like, oh, it's just a, you know, no good devil worshiper. So. Yeah, it's always easy to vilify somebody or victimize somebody if you can kind of put them in a different group, put them apart from right. yourself in some way. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's a shame. They just wanted what, you know, aside from some of what was going on there, we would all love to have a a place out in the woods where we could take care of ourselves even if you didn't want to live there just having it as a you know backup a getaway whatever would be nice but i don't know what do you think they ate all the time just like oh fucking omelets again i always wonder about that like you have to have a plan for a big variety of food because some of it's not going to work out and you don't want to just have eggs three times a day every day you're going to have problems with crops. Yeah, you're going to have diseases. You're also just going to get tired of stuff. Right. I don't know, man. It's I've thought about it before and it like hurts my brain to think about how much time and effort it would take to maintain a garden big enough to feed a couple people. And especially to store food like over the winter. Yeah. I mean, it would take take time and effort, but I mean, my cherry tomatoes and my blackberries it's just water. I just water them and they are fucking ape shit. I mean, I had, I guarantee I have in the thousands of blackberries on my bush and in the thousands of tomatoes, cherry tomatoes, just by watering it. That's all I do. You might be surprised. You have to eat clean and, and healthy for the most part, but it can be done. But anyway, do you have any other final thoughts on this one? Are you ready to get into the... Uh, the White House cocaine scandal. I'm ready to get into it. Economy and a cure for cancer. I said, what are you doing in the White House if you're not selling cocaine? All right. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll be back with the White House cocaine scandal. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. 
The White House was recently evacuated after the Secret Service found a powdery substance in a common area of the West Wing. And obviously, the Secret Service would see it and be like, oh my gosh, is it, you know, some sort of chemical weapon? Is it, you know, something that's a threat to, you know, everybody in the White House or whatever? So they, uh, they took precautions. But a preliminary test revealed that the substance was cocaine. And that is according to law enforcement sources. And that was reported by the Associated Press. Everybody's favorite, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, a Republican from Georgia, a representative, MTG, as she's known, uh, tweeted on, what, were you going to say something? No, I, well, sure, now that you've given me an opening. she. I just always think about the Jewish space laser thing. Wasn't that her? I don't know. Oh, yeah, I think it was. She blamed, like, the forest fires in California. She said there's a Jewish space laser. And for a while, I found these pins online that were, like, the Jewish. It was, like, it was, like, a military insignia. And it said, like, Jewish space laser force. And then underneath their slogan was built muzzle tough. (laughs) Well, hey, you know what? I'm sure they've looked into it. Everybody's favorite hardcore right-wing lady. It's so sad because, like, she's so extreme. And there's people on the left that are so extreme. And it's like, you're given the choice of either, like, hey, you have to believe everybody should have a gun in every room and kill every Arab they see. Or you should get your child's sex changed purposefully, even if they deny it, just just in case, you know, it's like there's nothing that's not crazy anymore. <laughs> yeah. Everything's controversial. Everyone's upset about everything all the time. Anyway, let's get back into this cocaine. I've been waiting so long to hear you say that. Yeah. So uh, MTG tweeted on July 4th that the substance indeed tested positive for cocaine, expressing concern about the situation. President Joe Biden and his family were away at Camp David from Friday until Tuesday when they returned to the White House. White House correspondent Simon Atiba reported that the substance was found in the White House library, a primarily staff-accessible area, including the president, their immediate staff, and members of the executive office of the president. The library serves as a resource for research related to the president's duties. When the president, first lady, and others returned to the White House, they discovered the white powder, prompting a hazmat situation and evacuation, as reported by the Daily Mail. Subsequently, Twitter was inundated with speculative memes, many pointing fingers at your boy Hunter. The Secret Service confirmed that the item was sent for further evaluation and an investigation into how it entered the White House was underway. What's next? According to an anonymous official cited by Politico, law enforcement is unlikely to apprehend the culprit who left cocaine in the White House over the weekend. Well, it's good that they're just, you know, like, hey, this probably really do we even need to have this conversation? You know, we're not going to find anything. Let's just quit pretending like we do our jobs. (laughs) Make it easier for everybody. 
The location of the discovery makes it challenging to identify the person, and even surveillance cameras might not have captured the incident due to the area being frequently traversed by many people. And that's something I've seen on a couple sources, including Reuters. Around the same time, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre briefed reporters on the cocaine incident. Cocaine incident is a great album name, by the way. Confirming that the Biden family was not present at the White House during that weekend. Despite the assurance that the Secret Service would investigate thoroughly, suspicions still circulate that the cocaine might belong to baby boy Hunter Biden, known for his troubled past with substance abuse. He's a real spiritual successor to, to William Lemp Jr., I think. There, what's going to come out eventually is they're going to be like, well, there was a black bear acting crazy on the White House lawn and nobody saw it, but we believe that this cocaine is straight from Cocaine Bear. From Cocaine Bear, yep. That's a good movie. Uh, I didn't see it. It's on Peacock now for free. Oh, all right. He has been a frequent visitor. We're back to Baby Boy Hunter. Uh, to the White House, including attending a state dinner on June 22nd for Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi. In addition to Hunter, Biden's daughter Ashley, who is also a recovering drug addict, was present at the state dinner attended by various notable guests, including Billie Jean King, Martin Luther King III, and M. Night Shyamalan, which is a really strange guest list, uh, none of whom have publicly known histories of drug abuse. Despite rumors of spending time in a Malibu rehab facility in 2022, Hunter's presence at the White House has been more frequent amid his escalating legal issues. An April report in the New York Post mentioned that he sought refuge at the White House while dealing with child support disputes. Observers have raised questions about the changing reports on where the cocaine was found in the White House. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton pointed out the inconsistency in leaks, with different accounts suggesting it was found in the library, a work area, or near where guests leave their cell phones. So somebody just accidentally dropped their baggie of cocaine. So right. I, there's a YouTuber that I watch sometimes basically they just kind of shit on modern media mm -hmm. but the one is uh, his channel is called nerdrotic his name is gary beekler mm -hmm. and he's very open about the fact that he had a drug problem in his past like went to mm -hmm. prison was homeless all kinds of stuff mm -hmm. and when <laughs> he was on a stream where they were talking about this and he was like no self-respecting drug addict would just leave their coke. He's exactly. like, and I was in the worst of it. He's like, I would have been like, White House? Yeah, I'm going to get my coke back. I'll figure out how to get in there. I can pull this <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's not something that people are just going to accidentally... Who goes on a White House tour and doesn't leave their cocaine in the car? You know what I mean? I'll take that as a hell yeah. Yeah, I mean... It just doesn't make sense, but I don't know, man. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense. I don't even know how it got in there. I've been trying to find um, kind of the policies. If you go to like s sort of the public Secret Service page about like White House visits, it says every person that enters has to go through like a metal detector and they have to be searched and empty their pockets and all this stuff. Well, just who could get something in other than like a family member of you know, somebody important. Things may be pointing in a different direction. Kamala and her cackles are caught 
in the White House cocaine scandal. The White House isn't saying the cocaine belonged to Kamala Harris, but they are saying it was found near her car. VP Kamala Harris, already notorious for her verbal gaffes, raised fresh concerns that her word salad gibberish and cackling spurts of manic laughter might be signs of drug use. In the scramble to explain how a bag of cocaine made its way into the West Wing, and who could have been the culprit, White House officials said that the stash was discovered in proximity to the entrance near the vice president's parking spot. While admitting Thursday that the cocaine was found in an area that was, quote, much more secure, end quote, than previously claimed, MSNBC reported multiple officials confirming it was near, quote, the West Executive entrance, close to the Situation Room. That's where, for example, the vice president's vehicle is parked, MSNBC reported. So some of the things that are kind of out there on social media, uh, Kevin Dalton said the White House isn't saying the cocaine belonged to Kamala Harris, but they are saying it was found near her car. Are we watching them set up Harris for the takeout? Asked another commentator. Harris's flummoxed response this week to a simple question did little to abate cocaine concerns, along with another incident of the VP bursting into cackling hysterics. When Harris was asked to describe how she would define culture, define culture. Her rambling response drew concerns about possible drug use, including the cocaine found in the West Wing. She said, culture is, it is a reflection of our moment and our time, right? And present culture is the way we express how we're feeling about the moment. And we should always find times to express how we feel about the moment. That is a reflection of joy because, you know, it comes in the morning. End quote. <laughs> so you can only have culture until noon. Yeah. After that, it's not culture. Culture stops when McDonald's switches to the lunch menu. <laughs> then then it's right. done. Come on, man. As Joe would say, that's ridiculous. I, I mean, I, I really think that you could get a better answer out of a fifth grader. I mean, hell, Coco could probably sign what culture is more coherently than that. Harris's disturbingly bizarre cackling at another event raised similar alarms with one tweet opining, we now know it was her cocaine, which explains the laugh, and another saying, maybe it's not Hunter's cocaine after all. The White House continued to cloud and dodge any questions relating to the cocaine found in the West Wing. What's next? <sighs> Less than 24 hours after reports of finding fingerprints on the bag of cocaine left in the White House, CNN stated that the Secret Service is closing its investigation into the matter. According to two anonymous sources familiar with the investigation, the Secret Service thoroughly examined visitor logs and surveillance footage of numerous individuals who entered the West Wing before the discovery. However, they were unable to identify a suspect. The prevailing theory is that the baggie was left by one of the many visitors who entered the West Wing that weekend for tours and were required to leave their phones in designated cubbies. <sighs> Do you really think a visitor to the White House would have <laughs> left it behind? It, it really is silly. I, I mean, I just don't understand why they don't take this as an opportunity to try and pin it on a right winger. Because that, I could say, hmm... 
interesting. Well, we mm. need to find who that is because that guy's also obviously a piece of shit and needs to be vetted out. But to be like, we found fingerprints and we're closing the investigation. Yeah. If it wasn't so terrible, it would be laughable. Yeah. It's like, all right, we have a suspect. Um, uh, actually, you know what? Never mind. We're going to just close the book on this one. However, Soldier of Fortune published a story claiming that law enforcement found fingerprints on the bag and identified the person they belonged to. The outlet is withholding the person's name pending confirmation and has filed Freedom of Information Act requests with relevant agencies. Some anonymous sources suggest that the culprit may never be apprehended due to the location where the bag was found, making it challenging for surveillance cameras to capture the incident. White House Press Secretary Kareen, that we talked about before, expressed confidence in the Secret Service's investigation and sought to dispel any notion that the cocaine belonged to Baby Boy Hunter, a known drug abuser. In response to the... Dis- <laughs> it was my coke. In response to the discovery of the cocaine in the White House, White House Press Secretary Kareen stated that President Joe Biden, First Lady Jill Biden, and their family were not present during that weekend. They left on Friday and returned the day before the discovery was made. So it can't be his because he was only here for 24 hours at least before it was found. Therefore, it can't be his, you know, like culture in the morning. And people just are like, okay, like, why would you try to say that it's not this person's shit? You know, I mean, that's not how you, an investigation is done. I've done tons of true crime podcasts and listened to tons of true crime podcasts. And you don't do an investigation that way. You know, the hillbilly sheriff in Wachahomie, Oklahoma, doesn't do his investigation that way because that's not how it's done. You would think that, you know, these Secret Service, FBI, who uh, they have access to the best forensics money can buy. It can be found. You can find DNA on it. And I would assume that you can find fingerprints on it. I mean, that's what was reported. You can figure it out. Or just tell me who the fingerprints are. And I'll tell you whose it was. You know, if, if you need me to connect the dots for you, I can do that. <laughs> yeah, it's this is just kind of a fun one. To me, anyway, it, it's it's like a funny distraction. It's like, what? Right. What is going on? What are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> and why are you being so weird about it? Like, I don't know if it was Hunter. I Hunter clearly based on everything going on in the press has a lot of problems. And probably, if we're being compassionate, doesn't need to be like dragged through the mud anymore. Well, you know, he's probably just needs like help. Well, maybe for his drugs, but the other stuff that he's done is reprehensible too. Right. Sure. Yeah, but for the drug thing, it's like mm, I don't know, man. I don't know. When you're the son of a career politician, who's like, I mean, Biden was in pot like high up in politics i believe it would have been the mid 70s that's when he was telling people he had seven law degrees yeah. and so a long long time all that so <laughs> yeah I, was, I enjoyed it so much yeah, i just ran through again 
there's there's like almost child star stuff, like things that that guy would have been exposed to where it's like, yeah, a little baggie of coke being found in the White House. That's probably like the least awful thing that we can find out about him. <laughs> but I don't know. It, it's just so strange. It's like who who in the White House would be doing this? Like if I found a bag of weed like somewhere where my parents clearly would have had it. Yeah. Or just the rest of my like extended family. It's like, okay, which one of you <laughs> like, come on. Well, I can tell you another way to look at this. Take that, analyze it. And you tell me how pure it is. If it's like 50, 50 with fucking Clorox or something probably wasn't hunters, but if it's straight up Colombian bam, bam, it's hunters or Kamala's cause they ain't, sniffing no dirt shit you know what i'm saying (laughs) only the finest only the finest yeah so the white house has a whole new meaning now uh i hope it's mitch mcconnell's (laughs) he's a little chubby to be doing that guy looks like a flat tire came to life (laughs) yeah well it's almost like they're just saying we're not gonna do anything so you may as well just accept it and get used to it because we're in charge and this is how we're going to do things. And you're going to shut the fuck up and you're going to take your tax raises and all that stuff. I mean, yeah. I mean, what it tells us is it belonged to somebody important. Mm-hmm. Either, either we can accept it's true that it, it was in a place where like anybody could have left it and they don't like have you empty your pockets or whatever. I mean, Maybe it's something that doesn't show up on their scanners. Maybe they don't have any kind of like drug sniffing dogs or anything that could have detected it. But probably more likely it belonged to somebody important. Whether that was the VP or Hunter or a Republican or whatever else. It's like I I have a strong feeling that regardless of which side of the aisle you're on, like it's understood that you cover for each other Mm -hmm. if something like that happens. Well, Here's the thing. This will, the future will show us. Do they get drug sniffing dogs in the White House? Because if they do, even just one that roams the halls, then they're saying this ain't going to happen again. But if they don't, then the person got away with it. It's been condoned. There's been no action taken to change the fact that drugs are being brought into the White House. It's pretty simple, man. It's not a hard fix. I mean, you can get probably a good drug-sniffing dog for $10,000 and pay a guy $75,000 a year to walk around the White House and sniff for drugs. It's a pretty simple fix. Yeah. That's a drop in the bucket. So, yeah. But we'll see. I mean, they have drug dogs go to schools, right? Why not the White House? Sure. They have drug dogs go through parking lots in uh, hotels on I-44 because I have seen them go up and just start scratching the shit out of cars in parking lots and hotels. So if we can afford to do that. We can afford to put one in the White House. I think everybody should just, you know what? You know it would be great? And I'm surprised Trump hasn't done this unless he's on drugs too, which wouldn't really surprise me. But be like, well, hey, let's just everybody take a drug test and then we'll find out whose it was. It's another fix. I I want to see 
a Spartacus moment, like in the Senate or something. I want to see everybody be like, it's my cocaine. No, it's my cocaine. Everybody, everybody's covering for each other. It'd be a nice moment of unity yeah. for the country. I think, I think it's what we need. Well, I think that maybe then people would be like, oh, shit, they really do cover for each other. I don't know. They're probably all drug addicts. Wouldn't surprise me in the least. Could be anybody's. I I doubt that they're drug addicts, but I mean, it's like they probably have access to it. Sure. Why wouldn't they? That's a good point. I'm sure they're trading enough. Well, you know, they probably got a little baggie. They sent a few guns down to Mexico. Get a baggie up here. It's all taken care of, man. Yeah. I know a guy who's a manager at a company everybody would know about who has admitted to doing coke like once a year something like that Mm -hmm. just like he has friends that'll bring it around and it's like all right they just do a little bit of it doesn't really cause any problem in his daily life just something you do every once in a while when it's available it's i don't know how common that is for people i've never done i've never used any kind of drugs at all Mm -hmm. not even marijuana wow like and people find that shocking it's like it's legal now Mm -hmm. it's like yeah i've just never felt like it i've never smelled that smell of like burning skunk and thought like yeah that's for me (laughs) um yeah i don't know i mean you know what is obvious though if there's drugs in the white house there's prostitutes in the basement that has played out time after time after time. It's a time-honored tradition. And you know who else likes prostitutes? Baby boy hunter. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's one thing to be uh, in a tough spot growing up. But, you know, a lot of us have been in tough spots and we don't have pictures of us passed out with a crack pipe, you know, in our well, not mouth. Not just a tough spot, man. It's like Corey, it's like Corey Payne and Corey mm-hmm. Feldman. So you think he was sexually abused? I'm more talking about like the child star thing. Well, I think that there's more money and access to things than he should have had at a young age. Yeah, I can I can see that. But I think with like Corey Haim and Corey Feldman, at least for Corey Feldman, I'm 99.9% sure he talked about sexual abuse. And that's kind of what drove him, you know, to these drugs and Hmm. stuff but it's in a it's for another episode we need to wrap this one up they'll never find hunter i mean user yeah uh i mean kamala i mean uh mcconnell yeah um i don't know i guess maybe we should be happy it's not meth oh you know whose name keeps popping up everywhere kareen kareem abdul jabbar white house press secretary kareen she she keeps coming in and being like oh we're very confident we're very confident oh yeah yeah maybe it's hers Maybe she knows what's going on. Yeah, she's like, it's not Hunter's. I mean, he tried to claim it, but (laughs) 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 he found it. Yeah, give me that. She's like, if I say it's mine, do I get it back? Right. (laughs) (laughs) And and you know, he probably would, and he probably would admit it too. Yeah, just give me that shit. Just. You know, dude. Yeah, they're like whoever, whoever's it was. You can just have it back, and like five people's hands start to slowly come right. up. They're like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you want to wrap it up? Tell them what they need to know. 
yeah as usual you guys know the drill by now please like subscribe comment review whatever it is you can do on your particular platform we really appreciate it and it helps us out a lot what helps us even more is to share the show with somebody who you think might like it if you want to reach out to us with new topics suggestions or whatever else you can do so at crypticpodcast at gmail.com you can find us on tiktok at cryptic underscore podcast youtube at cryptic podcast you can find out what we're selling other than conspiracies and mysteries at crypticpodcaststore.com and as always check out our friends over at Parabox at the link in the show notes below or beside or however your player is laid out actually because I don't know for certain what kind of computer do you have what kind of phone <laughs> write in and tell us <laughs> and if you really want uh, Brian to try some weed I'll get that address set up for you so you can send that in <laughs> good evening Crypt Keepers Keep your nose clean. <laughs> yeah. Take it off. Oh, so like a bunch of cocaine ended up in the White House, and you guys are like, eh, not a big deal. But if a, if I have a fucking Cypress Hill sticker on my car, my car gets torn apart looking for a bag of weed, right? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like that.